So we're uh, in the middle of a series, uh, a fresh look at the old book. Where uh, if you're if you're just joining us and, and you haven't been with us for a while, we're we're taking a look at some of the the, the stories and the and the the things that happen in the Old Testament. That even if you're not really a, a religious person, if you're not really um, familiar with church, you've probably heard these stories. They've been bouncing around. They're kind of a part part of the culture. Um, they're just it, you're kind of familiar with them. And even, and even if you are um, someone who's, who's really into church and, 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 and you know the Bible really well, the idea is to take a, a, just a different look, to kind of see from a new angle, a fresh angle, to see if maybe there's something about um, these stories that maybe we didn't see before, and, and maybe uh, just not what we'd expect, and, and to see if God can speak um, in these stories in a new and, and fresh and exciting way. Uh, so that's the goal, at least. And, 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 if, and if that's not working, feel free, take a nap. Uh, the, the U.S. Open, is, it's, it's waiting for you. Um, I know my dad's rooting for Tiger, so just, just slumber here, get, get pumped up, and, um, and we'll get you out at a reasonable time. <laughs> uh, last week, we, we started looking at Noah, Noah the Ark. Um, and uh, and, and we, we asked the question, like, why is God so mean? Right? Uh, if you're... <laughs> it's, 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 it's sort of around, it's kind of in the air. If you, if you read kind of the Old Testament, the, the, the first part of the Bible, it just seems like God's a mean God. Like he's wiping people out. And we saw, we saw the meanness that God gets, right? This is when he, he literally, I mean, just wipes out all of humanity. And what we did is we, we went to pains to see that this actually wasn't God being mean. This is actually God, uh, it, was a, it was actually an amazing expression of his grace. Like the, and, and, and you got to go back and, and hear it, because uh, if you think that, that that's awful, that God would do what God did, you got to hear it, because it really was a moment where God's looking out, and he, he has grace on humanity. He has grace on the earth. Well, if, if that's the case, if God's not mean, then who is he really? And that's the question uh, I want us to, to sit with today. Who is God really? Like, what's really animating God? What's kind of, and, and the, the title of the sermon is The Heart of God. If you could peel away all of the things and you were trying to figure out what God's like, if you were to, someone to ask you for a biography of God, you'd say, He's this. And I think we're going to see that today. And it might be surprising. You might be like, I'm not sure that's what I would have come away with from this text. But I really do think that this text is a microcosm of the heart of God. We're going to take it in two parts uh, because I, I want you to be surprised by the second part. So if you don't, 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 don't look ahead. All right? Just, it's, it's, in, it's on your note sheets, but, but don't, don't, don't go forward too much. Uh, this is uh, my translation from the Hebrew and uh, I'm just trying to get it as close to the Hebrew as possible, um, while at the same time being really easy for us to read. And you'll see some, some, some weird things, and we'll talk about them. This is Genesis 9, 14, and we're going to start to 17, but eventually we'll get to 25. This is God speaking. God says, this is what will happen from now on. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow appears in the clouds, I will be mindful of my covenant between me and you, humanity, Noah, and every living being among all the creatures, such that the waters will never again become a flood that destroys everything. The bow will be in the clouds, and when I see it, I will be mindful of the age-long covenant between God and every living being of all the creatures on the land. So God said to Noah, this is the symbol of the covenant I have established between me and all the creatures of the earth. 
Now, if you're familiar um, with the Genesis narrative, you might be a little surprised by the, the text here. You might be wondering, where's the word rainbow? It's not there. Did anyone know where the word rainbow comes from? This was shocking to me. I was reading this. I was like, wait, what? I was looking for the Hebrew word for rainbow. There is no Hebrew word for rainbow. There's only the Hebrew Hebrew word for a bow. And then I started thinking. And I was like, wait a minute. I've seen a rainbow before. Do we have the, the, the picture of the rainbow? Yeah. What does that look like? This is a double rainbow. Uh, double rainbows are very popular nowadays. There was like a YouTube video of some hippie crying because he saw it went viral. This is actually um, front, front page news um, in Arizona, in northern Arizona. No, I'm serious. This is from, a, uh, this is from a, an evening uh, newscast from a couple of months ago in Arizona. And it was the top story that uh, someone had seen an, a, a double rainbow in northern Arizona. Because I guess they don't have actual news there. And so they have to sort of make stuff up. Um, if we, seriously, because yesterday, did you see the, did you see Trader Joe's in, in L.A.? Like some guy was like had hostages in Trader Joe's. That's what happens in L.A., right? In, in Arizona, they're like double rainbow, woo! Also, what's really sad about, I, my mother-in-law was watching it, and so I saw the end. And how sad the newscasters were when it came to a peaceful conclusion. They were totally rooting for a shootout. They were like, they were like, they really wanted someone to die. It was, it was hard to watch them, like, just, just stumble all over themselves when he gave himself up. I was like, man, we live in a sick world. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so in Arizona, this is, this is, um, this is news. It, you look at it, and especially the double rainbow, it really does look like, um, if you think of an ancient, in the ancient world, like a weapon. It looks like a bow. And, and that's, uh, what God says. He's not talking about a rainbow, he's talking about the bow. You will see the bow in the sky. Right? It's in the clouds. There's the bow. And this bow is going to be a symbol for you. Symbol for what? Well, if you think about what's just happened, right? If you're familiar with uh, Genesis, you know um, that God has just wiped out everything with, with water. Like, drowned everything. Like, basically what God did is he basically was looking, and humanity was so awful that he destroyed all of it, wiped it out. He made war on humanity. And if you think in like an ancient, the ancient world, like maybe you would think of God like, like firing lightning bolts or something like that from a bow or firing rain down. I mean, that's not really what goes on, of course, but like you might even think about that symbolically. And so what God is saying is he's basically said, I've just, I've just nuked you. I've just gone to war against you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm sick to death of the bloodshed. So I'm going to put my, my, my weapon down. I'm going to put my fight down and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I want peace with you. We had this awful moment. I, I'm, I'm giving up. That's the first thing in your note sheets. It's that, um, the, the, the bow, that's cute. It's, it's in capitals, rainbow. So you never forget where rainbow comes from. It's a symbol of laying down arms. We, we looked and God wasn't happy about destroying humanity. God wasn't excited to see people judged and wiped away. He wanted something different. He wanted this amazing experiment to work where human beings would live in peace with each other and peace with him. And it didn't work. And so God had to wipe the slate clean. He fires down all of his his ammo. He wipes it off. And now he's honestly horrified in some ways. And so puts down his weapon. Let's go back um, to the text. He says, my covenant, my covenant between me and you and every living being among all the creatures 
Uh, this is the first time in the Bible that we get this word, and it becomes one of the most important words in Scripture, covenant, uh, barit in Hebrew. It's a, it's, it's this, it's, it's, it's a very strange word. It's a very strange idea. The closest we can get to it is something like a treaty between people, or perhaps uh, marriage vows, oaths that people set to each other. It's, it's, it's like the, the highest form, the most serious and solemn of oaths. That takes place. And God says, he, he, he kind of comes to the table and notice that he, it's a one-sided, unilateral promise. He says, I'm making my covenant with y'all. All of you, your human beings, your dogs, your cats, the birds that fly, anything that doesn't live in the water, I'm making a promise to you. I'm, I'm coming to the table. I'm, I'm going to have peace with you. I'm going to have peace with you. There is not going to be this, I'm, I'm taking, I'm not going to blow you up with water anymore. Notice, it doesn't require a darn thing for many of us, right? God's just looking at the devastation. He's horrified. He's saddened. And he says, I don't want to do this anymore. It's actually very, um, it's, it's really not dissimilar um, to, because we, we've had what, atomic weapons for how long? 70, 80 years at this point? How long has it been? 75, 75 years? Okay, so for 75 years, humanity has had the power to um, pretty much destroy the earth. Um, moreover, at the, in 1940, what, 40, 45, right? Uh, the United States of America, um, at war uh, with Japan, um, dropped two atomic weapons on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, unleashing a devastating power that was unheard of and really un like no one could have imagined what it what it was going to do the the people who had created this thing were probably like are you sure you want to do this because wow um after it happened even people who who now say it was a good thing because maybe it um it preserved lives and overall um, because the United States was, was shocked by how um, tenacious Japanese uh, soldiers were. And so some people will say, it's a good thing that we did that because it stopped the war and it stopped the bloodshed. Other people will say, they'll look at it and they'll be like, yeah, um, there is no excuse for wiping a city off a map. This, but both sides, whether or not you think it's right or wrong or good or bad, nobody's sitting around being like, man, I hope we can have some more nuclear wars. Those are great, Right? In fact, uh, it really, since, at least since the 90s, um, there's been almost this sense of, uh, like, nobody really thinks anyone's going to drop any atomic bomb bombs anymore. Apparently, I wasn't really conscious during the Cold War, but apparently during the Cold War, people actually were worried that uh, the, the Russians or the United States, somebody was going to drop nukes, and, and presumably if that happens, you duck and cover underneath your desk at school, you should be okay. <laughs> um, and so... That was kind of like a, a, a normal part of life. But really, since the 90s, since the end of the Cold War, no one really thinks anyone's going to drop any nukes. Until Donald Trump became president. Think about this. I, I have a picture of Trump and, and Kim Jong-un and nukes. Uh, this is very interesting. Think about this. So, uh, you know, before, like, the United States would be like, hey, we're going to invade Iraq, Right? The people in Iraq are not like, they're sitting there and they're scared because the United States has a very powerful military, but they don't think we're going to nuke Baghdad, right? That's kind of off the table. No one's sitting around, none of the bushes want to nuke Baghdad. Let's keep the, even if we saber rattle a little bit, whatever's going to happen, it's going to be tanks and, and planes, but nobody's going to drop a nuke, right? That's crazy. 
And then uh, Obama with Syria, you know, Syria's going through like a civil war, and Obama's like, don't use the chemical weapons. And they're like, well, we might use them because we know. Deep down, no one's crazy enough to drop a nuke. And notice what happens. Because nobody believes that anyone in the United States is crazy enough to do that, bad actors are given an opportunity to act a little more badly because they're not that scared. I mean, they're scared, but they're not scared of that. And that's what Kim Jong-un was used to. He was like, oh, they're not really... And then some crazy guy starts tweeting about how he's going to nuke Pyongyang. And suddenly Kim Jong-un's like, whoa, wait, no, no, not really. And then Trump's like, oh, no, really, I'll do it. And I'm like, he wouldn't really, would he? And my buddy's like, I think he might. And we're like, wait, are we literally at the edge of World War III? What the heck is going on? And suddenly, suddenly, the crazy dictator in North Korea wants to have a sit-down, wants to start talking, because he's a little bit scared, right? The thing was, there's all these things on the table, right? And before, the nukes were off the table. But suddenly, the nukes got put back on the table, and now there's this guy who's crazy, who's awful. And suddenly, he want, he's like, whoa, 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 I'm worried now. Because what... what had happened is, is that there was now another possibility that hadn't been there before. The interesting thing about what God does is he's, he's in front of humanity, and there's the peace treaty table, right? And before we even get to the table, God looks at the thing, and he just, and he takes, he takes the nukes right off the table. He says, look, whatever happens between us, whatever goes on, I promise you, I'm not going to do this again because we both know how horrible it is. We both know that this is an awful thing and we can't, let's just, never again, never again. That's a really bad negotiating tactic. If you think that in some ways God is, is trying to work with humanity to, to accomplish his will, boy, he just, he just took away his big guns. He just, he just said, ah, there's a lot of other things that can happen, but this isn't one of them. He's basically unilaterally disarmed. Why would he do that? What's, what's in it for God? I think part of it is that we're getting this sense that when God looks at what happens to people, it hurts him. And he sees the devastation, and he's like, if there's any way we can do this without that, I want to do it. I don't want you to be compelled by fear. I don't want you to be compelled. I I want you and and I want us to be at peace. And what he says is he says, I'm going to make a covenant. Now, this is the next thing in your note sheets. Covenants are binding. God's covenants are binding. And this is the interesting thing. They limit what God allows himself to do. Basically, God's coming to the table with humanity, and he, and, he puts, and, he, and he ties one of his own hands behind his back and says, we're going to do this different from now on. Once God says, I, I'm establishing a covenant, once he does that, it, it, it's forever. Just as there are always going to be rainbows whenever uh, the clouds and the sun hit the right way with moisture in the air, just be, in the same way that that's always going to be the case, it is always the case, always, that when God says this, he, he sticks with it. And, and what a moment, an extraordinary moment of grace. 
Here's the God of the universe who could do whatever he wants. And he reaches out to humanity and he says, humanity, things have been bad, but we're going to do better. And, and I, I, I can't bear to see you hurt like that again. So I'm coming to you. I want you to know how much I care about you. I love you. I'm not going to do this ever again. It's this momentous moment where God relents and promises good things to people for all time. So what happens? Let's read on. The sons of Noah, who came out of the chest, uh, the word ark is really from Latin. It's the Hebrew, it's just a box. In fact, if you think about it, like, I think, don't they have a, a like, a, someone recreated the ark in, like, Kentucky or something? Have you seen this? As I, I thought on the internet. And if you look at what they did, they, uh, they, they rebuilt the ark, and it really does just look like a big fat box. It's basically like Best Buy on the water. And like, with, you know, obviously no geek herd or whatever they're called, geek squad, and yeah, anyway, that's kind of what it is, so literally a chest. Uh, the, the sons of Noah who came out of the Best Buy were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were Noah's sons, and from these all the earth dispersed. Noah, a man of the soil, started out by planting a vineyard. He drank some of the wine and got drunk and exposed himself in the middle of his tent. Then Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. Shem and Japheth took a large piece of cloth, put it on both their shoulders, walked backwards into the tent, and covered their naked father. They did this with their faces turned back so they did not see their father's naked body. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, he will be the humblest servant to his brothers. I mean, not some explanations warranted. Um, when there is some uh, language here that's strongly sexually suggestive in Hebrew, um, if we can go back to yeah, right here. Okay, so first, first thing. Uh, so they've been on the they've been in the the ark, the Best Buy for you know I think it's like 150 days, long time, you know, almost a year, something like that. And uh, and they get out. And uh, the first thing that Noah does is <laughs> he's real thirsty, so he plants a vineyard. And, uh, and he, he does this thing, and, and God's just shown this incredible amount of grace, and he's he promised humanity never to destroy them again. And so Noah uh, gets hammered, and, uh, and he falls down on his back in his tent with no clothes on. Um, and, and that language in Hebrew, uh, it can, it, it, there is a sexual innuendo there. Uh, when you read Uncovered His Nakedness, uh, that, that can be a sexual innuendo. I don't think that's what's going on here, but it, it is suggestive uh, that... that uh, Ham comes in, sees his dad uh, naked. There, there's an, a suggestion that maybe Ham is somehow um, interested in this in a, in a, in a, in a weird way. Uh, and then he goes and tells his brothers, hey man, come on, let's check this out. Dad's naked. Uh, which also indicates that he has some very weird interests. Um, the text is, is clear to point out that uh, that Ham is the the father of Canaan, and if you're in Israel, right around 1,000 B.C. or so, uh, you know that um, the Israelites are surrounded by Canaanites, and the Canaanites are known uh, for having very strange uh, sexual uh, practices and also um, 
violent uh, sacrificial practices. And so maybe something that's going on here is we're seeing that, that even from, uh, from their, their forefather, there was uh, these sort of things embedded into their, their, their nature and character. Maybe this helps explain that for a little bit. But whatever the case, what? Like, wait, what? Hold on a second. Uh, I know how stories go because I've read them. I've seen them. Um, and I know that what's supposed to happen, so Snow White, um, she, I don't know what she did. She ate an apple, and there was like this old haggard witch that, I mean, would you take an apple from that woman? No way. But she did, and she passed out, and uh, then Prince Charming, Valiant, whoever, comes along, gives her true love's kiss. She wakes up, and do you remember the end of the story, the end of Snow White? I watched it on YouTube before the sermon, so I wouldn't get it wrong. Basically, um, Prince Charming brings a horse and, uh, and she has been living with the seven dwarves, I guess. I don't know. And she kisses them all on the forehead um, to let them know that she loves them. And then they, along with all the forest creatures, uh, come and they, and they start waving goodbye as uh, Prince Charming leads her on a, on a horse. She's, she's riding and he's right. And I think I have the picture like right here. Yes. They're, uh, they're, they're kind of going off into the sunset. And you can see Prince Charming's castle off in the distance. It almost looks like heaven. Um, and they're, and they're going away. And at the very end, the last thing you see when you're watching Snow White is the words, and they lived happily ever after. That's how it's supposed to work, right? You have this terrible event, you have the bad guys, you have the, 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 the conflict, and when the conflict ends, when it's all over, the, the, the protagonists now have been changed, they've, they've, they've gone through these traumatic experiences, they've been on this, in this boat for 150 days, they've seen death and violence, they, they get down, they walk, and they see all the, the corpses of all the, the animals on the land. They've been traumatized by this, God himself has been traumatized by this, God is now, now so, so, uh, horrified by the devastation that he's, that he's He's like, we're not going to do this anymore. Human beings, now we're going to start on a new path. Noah, you're my guy. You're the one that I love. I've, I've poured out my grace on you. I've changed you. I've transformed you. And Noah's like, thanks, God. Gets wasted. Ends up on, in, in, in the middle of the tent, exposing all of his, uh, his, his, his parts. And then his son comes in and has weird experiences with that. And, 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 and suddenly we're like, happily ever what? Well, it, I mean, it's, it's almost as if God didn't do a darn thing. It's almost as if in the midst of being liberated, being experiencing this incredible mo- movement of grace, that humanity looks at it as like, eh, whatever, back to business. What's truly nuts about this is that this is the first time it happens, but it happens over and over and over in the Bible. God does this incredible thing. He rescues people with gracious, mighty acts. And then human beings go and ruin everything. It's like we, we, we see God and we're like, oh, he's so good. And then like four seconds later, we're like, oh, let's do something awful. And maybe you've noticed this. Because well, the interesting thing about the Bible is that it's telling the true story about life. Right? About humanity. This is exactly how it works. It's not just in the Bible that this happens. It's in our lives this happens. It's the next thing in your note sheets. It's in the Bible and our lives. Gracious acts of God are followed by catastrophic human failure. Catastrophic human failure. Whether you've uh, experienced in a personal way um, God's grace or not, just 
just trust me, it happens, okay? It does happen. And when it happens, you're in the midst of this moment where like all is well, all is right. God has moved. Uh, anything seems possible. It's all good. It's all wonderful. And the craziest thing is it seems like just the next day, the next week, the next month, however long it takes, suddenly it's like, wait, how did that, where do, how do we get here? How did this even happen? I, I, the one, not only does this, it, it, when, you're, when you're reading it, you're just like, what is going on? What's really crazy is how it ends. And it's not what's there, it's what's not there. Let's read it again. Let's read the, read the end again and just notice who the actors are here. Uh, Shem and Japheth, they're the good sons. I should mention, by the way, the, the issue with the exposure if, you're, if you've been following us, um, you know that when Adam and Eve, when they ate the fruit, right, what was the first thing they noticed? They were naked. The first thing that comes with the knowledge of good and evil is that you shouldn't be exposed all the time. You should be covered up. So isn't it weird that right after God like, wipes out all of humanity and starts over with one family again, the very first thing that they do is expose themselves? Humans. Awesome. Anyway. Shem and Japheth took a large piece of cloth, put it on both their shoulders, walked backwards in the tent, covered their naked father. They did this with their faces turned back so they did not see their father's naked body. Um, The brackets are just me adding things to help it work in English. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Cain, and he will be the humblest servant to his brothers. So, did you notice what, what didn't get said? What, what should have been said? If this were to make any sense at all, if you were to, if you were to follow along what's been going on and, and see the, the primary actors and think about what's just happened, the, the, the only reasonable solution to this, this is, is for, and then God looked down and said, that was a terrible choice, I'm wiping you out for good this time. Remember, God, God is, he's, he's looking at humanity. Humanity is falling apart, evil, vicious, sexual and physical violence all everywhere. So he's like, I've got to start over. They're ruining everything. They're corrupting all of the creation. I, I've got to, and then, and then his grace lands on Noah and somehow Noah, uh, he's like, I'm going to redeem you and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to pour out my life into you and I'm going to make good things happen through you. And then as soon as he's gone through all that, he sees that that's a failure, that Noah's, not that great, that he's not going to do it. And he sees that Noah's children are going to continue the same sins that, that got humanity wiped out in the first place. The only reasonable reaction from God is to put the atomic weapons back on the table and wipe everybody out. It's to dust off, nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Instead, God's presumably watching. Noah um, curses Ham, and, and you know, hundreds and thousands of years later, um, the, the Israelites will uh, then see a reason behind the way that the Canaanites live and, and understand why that God has given them some mastery over the Canaanites. But God has nothing to do with, with, with what should happen, what ought to happen, which is just stop it. Humanity is a lost cause. You knew it before. 
you're absolutely certain of it now. Do the smart thing and get rid of them. <laughs> There's this kid. Um, so for uh, like from about 2005 to more or less 2014, 15, something like that, as a side gig, I would do tutoring. Uh, the, the parents uh, here in Orange County are... They're, they're crazy with what they'll spend to get little Johnny to, uh, to pass, you know, Algebra 2. And I was willing to take advantage of that because I needed the money. And, uh, and so I sort of started a side business. Before I was married, um, even when we were living in Pasadena, I'd still come back down here on my motorcycle doing terrible things on the freeway, almost dying just to get that, you know, 50 to 75 an hour. Can you believe that? 50 to 75 an hour. Whew, good gig. Hours are terrible, but man, it pays. And uh, I, so over the course of that, you know, more or less decade of tutoring, I probably tutored like maybe 20, maybe 30 kids. There's this one kid. We'll call him Johnny. And I, I don't, I, it's so, I can't even to this day tell you what it was about Johnny, what it is about Johnny. Because um, Johnny is certainly not the best of the kids that I tutored. I tutored some really great kids. Some kids who came, came from great families, were very well behaved, um, you know, really loved God, were church. Johnny had given up church a long time ago, still doesn't go. Uh, Johnny was um, certainly not on the straight and narrow um, all the time that I knew him. He frequently did things that made me very upset. Uh, that's just the way it is. And yet, right around 2014, 15, I was making enough money where I could finally give up the tutoring business. Um, and so I was, more and more students were like, well, what about next year? I'm like, you're going to have to find somebody else. You're going to have to find somebody else. And Johnny, for whatever reason, I just couldn't quit this kid. I was like, he was like, uh, hey, man, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through chemistry next year. I'm like, brother, I got you. I'm here. It's Papa Tommy. I'm not, hey, buddy. There's not, we're not, I'm not, I'm not giving up. Uh, he's like, he's, he's like, well, you said you were getting out of the business. I'm like, I know what I said. I know what I said. But, uh, you know, I just, there's something about, there's something about you, man. Like, I don't know what it is because you certainly don't deserve it. Um, but I just love you. I don't know why. And uh, this went on for, uh, I got him through high school. Like, I had stopped all the tutoring for three years. I, twice a week, I went and tutored this kid. And, we're, and it's not a short, it was in Laguna Beach. I mean, I was, I was wasting time that I could have been with my family. I certainly wasn't being paid nearly enough to put up with his nonsense. Uh, and yet, I just kept doing it. Because for whatever reason, and I, I still can't totally articulate it, there was something inside of me that was just committed to this kid. I just... It, and it had nothing to do with how he behaved or anything or the circumstances in his life. It was just like, I just love this kid. And so, you know, he, uh, so he graduated high school. Uh, we went to... <laughs> the only kid I ever tutored. I went to his high school graduation because, man, he just barely made it. I mean, it was like, yeah, he's just a terrible student. So he's in college now, awesome. And uh, he came back for the summer 
And, uh, and so he, he texted me. He's like, hey, man, uh, you want to go surfing and get something to eat? We've never surfed together, interestingly enough. We've never even seen each other in like a sort of like a, anything other than tutoring. But I was like, dude, totally. That sounds awesome. So we, we went. We met up. And, and we're sitting there. He's better at surfing than I am because I'm fat and weak. And he's in the prime of his life. Horrible. I used to make fun of this kid for sucking. Anyway, um, so that's happening. And then we're hanging out. And I was, I was like, it occurred to me. As I was hanging out with him, I was like, I am always going to be his friend. And, and I don't know why. It's, there's, he still doesn't come to church. He's completely off on doing something. There's just something about him where I just love him, and it's never going to stop. If he texts me out of the blue, never, doesn't matter, 10 years down the line, I'll be like, oh, dude, Johnny, let's hang out. I would love it. I would love to just be with him because I'm committed to him. And I can't explain why, and it doesn't make any sense, but that's the case. I'm committed. The same thing happened between God and us. God and humanity. There's no reason for it. It, doesn't, it did not, uh, God's, God's grace is a, it's a very strange, it's almost mercurial, it's adventurous, it's bold, it's risky. His grace comes out from himself in the, in the, in the power of the Spirit. It, it goes and seeks and lands on human beings. And God's favor and love just descends on them for no reason at all. It's just who God is to go out and love. It's just God's desire to go out and be with people and to care about them and to find good things in them and to redeem them and change them so that they really are good. It's just who he is. His grace is just like that. And then what happens is his grace goes out and he falls on people. And then because God is God, he cannot stop being committed to them. Once he goes out and finds favor with you, it doesn't matter what you do, who you are, where you go, what you've done. He is always going to have favor for you. He because, because he cuts these covenants, he sets up these covenants, they're unilateral, he has to be true to himself, he binds himself to you, and he goes out and he becomes your God forever. Which is absolutely mind-boggling, it makes no sense, it's completely unreasonable, it's incomprehensible, because there are some things Johnny could do where I'd be like, that's it, we're done. But there are no things that we can do where God says, that's it, I'm done. Because he is audaciously gracious and endlessly true. In his heart of hearts, God is audaciously gracious and endlessly true. And by true, not meaning like he's factually correct, although there's that too. It's true to himself, to his own nature. He doesn't go back on his promises. He doesn't quit when the going gets tough. Once he's said, I'm in it, he's in it to win it. That's it. God had every reason in the world to say, humanity, I'm done. Instead, he's like, well, I guess we're going to have to find out some other way to make this work. Because I'm not quitting on you. Um, there may be someone here today uh, who has never... Um, well, you, you know, you, at some point, you, you and God were cool. You had some relationship with God. And, and, and at some point, you did something or circumstances came into your life where you're like, you know what? God has walked out on me. God has given up on me. If God's really out there, this can't happen because, uh, you know, he, I, I did something too much or there, I see something that's too much. Whatever the case, I know that God took off a long time ago. 
Whatever he's doing, it has nothing to do with me. In a second, I'm going to pray. I, I, I submit to you, that's completely wrong. You may not see it. You may not experience it. You may not understand it. But once God gets involved in your life, once he commits to you, that's it. He's all in for eternity. And I want to pray for you that you see, that you start to open your eyes again and recognize God didn't leave. He's still there. He's not quitting. There may be uh, somebody here today who um, hasn't ever said, you know what, I, I, want to, I want to do this, God. I want to have a relationship with you. Um, the truth of the matter is that what, you know, before there were all these hoops you had to jump through. God got to a point where he said, you know what? I am going to open up myself to a relationship and eternal life with anybody who simply trusts in my son. That's it. I, there's nothing else. I am going to go into a covenant with you that lasts for eternity, and all you got to do is believe in my son. I will give you eternal life. I will never walk out on you. Maybe there's somebody here today who um, has never done that. For whatever reason, uh, you've been kind of walking at distance with God. God's cool, and, and, and that's neat. But, but to ever to, to take a step and be like, I'm going to trust you. I want to be in relationship with you. You've never done that. I'm going to pray for you in a second. There um, may be somebody here who, uh, who saw things fall apart in their life. Uh, it's hard to know exactly what that looks like, but you were going along and, 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 and stuff uh, just collapsed and there's rubble. And you're, you're desperate for God to make himself known to come back and to start fixing these things. I'm going to pray for you in a second because God didn't leave and he's not going to leave you in the rubble. He's not going to just give up. He's not walking away. He's going to come and I'm going to pray that you see that, you experience that. And last, um, there are those of you who are here who need to see God show up. You need to know that this is true. You need to know that God, um, that he really is coming. And he's not going to leave. You need him to show up in your life, to, to experience his movement, his power. I'm going to pray for you right now. Gracious God in heaven, we confess that uh, in your heart of hearts, that who you are, you are audaciously gracious and endlessly true. God, for um, those here who feel like you've left uh, who just don't see your presence, who, who feel like um, because of something that they've done uh, or circumstances in their lives, they, they just don't trust that you're still there. God, I pray that you will open the eyes of their hearts to know that you are there, that you don't leave, that no matter how bad and how corrupt we get, you don't quit on us. God, I ask for repentance and a change of heart that people will welcome you back in and not worry that you're too far off for them. God, for those who've never trusted you, who've never entered into that relationship, who've never experienced what it's like to have you relentlessly committed, endlessly true to them, God, I pray right now that they will speak these words, Lord God, I trust your son for eternal life. Come and be with me now and forever. For those, God, who need to see your mighty acts, I pray that your spirit will move in powerful ways, that it will be undeniable that you are the source, that your, your works are being done, that you are mighty, and you do not let your people fade away. 
God, all this we send uh, in the name of your Son, whose death and blood gives us life. Amen.